Hi there, and welcome to the Birth Story Therapist Podcast, a safe space for mamas and parents to share their birth stories, discuss common issues experienced with parenting, feel heard and validated, engage in discussion about the complexity of their motherhood journey, and how they manage their mental health while doing so. Come here every week to hear from other mamas who are just like you. Figuring it out one day at a time. Here from myself, Crystal, a licensed therapist and private practice owner of Southeast Perinatal Counseling that specializes in maternal mental health. I'll share helpful techniques to manage your mental health as you navigate motherhood, both in the perinatal and postpartum period, work through grief and trauma experiences, and most of all, ways to regain your sense of self. This is also the opportunity to hear from other professionals, both in the mental health space, birthing, and motherhood world. Professionals like lactation consultants, doulas, homeschooling experts, and organization specialists, just to name a few. While I like to think that this budding podcast is an extension of myself and practice, this is also yours. This podcast is for exploration acceptance, and self-compassion. I welcome you and hope you'll join me every Monday for a new episode. For now, follow me on Instagram at birthstory.therapist or connect with me at southeastperinatalcounseling.com. So I am so excited to be joined by one of our mamas today. I think that we're all going to be able to walk away from her story, just having a new appreciation for um, the people around us in our community and family and how we utilize our partner um, within our journey and motherhood and parenthood. And so before she gets started telling her story, I just want to thank you for being here. Um, I want to extend to you support as you share uh, your journey within motherhood, be it your birth story or where you are today. Um, I have complete admiration for everything that I know about you and about your family and everything that you've been through. Um, and I know that there's going to be someone who's listening to your story who can identify exactly with what you shared with us today. So um, thank you again. And yeah, tell us a little bit about who you are. Okay, so my name is Brittany Hill, and I am from South Carolina. Um, I currently live in Texas, El Paso, Texas. My husband is active duty in the um, the Army. We moved here about, it will be four years in April. So on April the 16th, we packed up all our stuff, and we moved here um, to for him to be stationed at Fort Bliss. I am a, currently a victim advocate for um, the Army. So I deal with uh, victims of domestic abuse um, in the El Paso community and also the Fort Bliss community. Um, I have one little girl. Her name is Mia Rose, and she is bubbly. She has She's full of personality. I have one dog named Zeke. He's a Rockweiler, and he is my first baby. Um, and yeah, so that's about it. <laughs> I love that you included your first baby. <laughs> That is awesome. I, I like love your photos of your baby girl and um, your dog on Instagram. It's awesome. Oh, yes. They're best friends. <laughs> he doesn't too much like her, though. <laughs> he just tolerates her, but because I guess because she like beats him up, but she follows him around and he's so lazy. So he's right. just like, oh, you want to play again? <laughs> Here we are. How, and how old is baby Mia? Mia is 10 months. 10 months. Wow. Yes. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I'm excited to jump into your birth story and, um, I know a little bit about your birth story and right. how your journey into motherhood first began, but man, I, I know I don't know everything. So I'm really ready to get started and just hear all that you have to share with us. And it's so funny because I thought about, um, when we first moved here, you know, when we got married, you was like, oh, when you get to Texas, you're going to start having babies. And I was like, oh, no, we're going to wait till we come back closer to the family. And boom, here we are. <laughs> I know it always happens like that. That's exactly how we were. We got married, moved to Georgia and bam, had a baby. It's like, right. 
Yes. So, <laughs> um, so like I said, we moved to El Paso um, of April of 2018. We got married in uh, January 2018. So um, we was. Funny story, we were supposed to have our weddings in September 2019, but then he got orders to go to Fort Bliss. So we kind of just rushed through and had like a little eloping style wedding, and it was the best decision we ever made. But we got married in January 2018, and then we moved to El Paso in April 2018. And when we got here, we were not really wanting kids. We were just exploring. And then around about, I guess I would say August, um, we were like, let's have kids. <laughs> it was just kind of like we were talking about it and it was like, why? what's stopping us? Let's have kids. So um, I got off my birth control and I was on birth control for a long time, maybe about 10 years probably. So I got off my birth control and I thought, oh, we're just going to have a baby. Like next month, we're going to be pregnant. Next month came nothing. So about six months passed and I'm like, okay, well, we have been actively trying and nothing's happening. So I went to the doctor and the doctor was basically um, like, okay, well, maybe you might have endometriosis. So I was like, okay. So she suggested that I do like a HSG. So, um, but I, of course, you have to wait. You have to be actively trying for a year. So I had to wait a couple of months to get the the, um, the HSG. I'm not quite sure what it stands for, um, but it's basically they stick like a, a tube um, and they dilate your uterus and they go through and they... It's like dye going through your fallopian tubes to make sure that they're open. So, um, so basically, we did that in April. Yes, of April two thousand and nineteen, we did the HSG. Um, so, because my uterus is tilted back, the first time they said it did not work. So, the first time he could not get it to dilate. Um, so he was like, okay, the radiologist. So basically, he was like, I'm going to get your OBGYN to do it next month when you're ovulating because you have to do it close to your ovulation time. So I scheduled it for May and I found out May the 1st that I was pregnant. So apparently it did work <laughs> because I was pregnant. Um, so May the 1st, I found out I was pregnant. Um, we were excited. Um, we pretty much told all our family and then maybe around about like eight weeks being pregnant, um, I started to feel lightheaded. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go to the hospital. And my husband was like, no, you're probably just sick and tired. You need some rest. So I rested that whole Sunday. It was on a Sunday. I rested that whole Sunday. And then Monday, I was still not feeling well. So then Monday, I went to um, the emergency room. And the doctor said that it was no heartbeat for the baby. So he said that I was having a miscarriage. So, of course, I didn't believe believe him. So I went to another emergency room and they basically said that the baby had no heartbeat. Um, so the next day I talked to my OBGYN and we did. Um, she gave me the pill to finish off the miscarriage. And so I went through a miscarriage for about three days. Um, and yeah, so that was my first my first child. We, um, we had a miscarriage um, and we also found out that it was a girl. So we named her Amina Noel. And that was part of our healing process. So basically a couple of weeks after I had the miscarriage, my husband found out that he was getting deployed. So we decided to go to Vegas before he got deployed. So we went to Vegas. Um, but before we went to Vegas, I had another HSG um, procedure. Um, I didn't think nothing of it. I was just like, okay, we're just going to have this procedure. And basically what happened is they found out that I did have scar tissue in my fallopian tube. So they cleared all cleared out all the scar tissue. And then we went to Vegas. Didn't think anything else about it. Um, we had fun in Vegas. <laughs> what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but not really because I end up getting pregnant <laughs> in Vegas. Um, so after, let's see, so back, back to after getting, um, after we got back from Vegas, about a week later, I started to feel really, really sick. So I thought I had a virus or like a stomach bug. So I went to the doctor and she um, she was like, oh, you might just have like a 24-hour bug because I was really, really sick. And that was like a week after coming back from Vegas. So, um, so she was like, you might just have a bug, you know, just kind of take you some rest and drink plenty of fluid. So I did that. And then a couple of days later, I was still feeling sick. So my husband was like, you should take a pregnancy test. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not pregnant. And so I just happened to go get a pregnancy test and I took the pregnancy test and it was positive. 
I was shocked. <laughs> um, even though I did the procedure, I didn't think it was going to work because the first time we we did it and they said it didn't work and we ended up getting pregnant and then I had a miscarriage. So I wasn't too confident about the procedure. Um, so, but I ended up being pregnant. So I made my appointment to see my OBGYN. I couldn't see her until I was eight months. I mean, sorry, eight weeks. Um, so at eight weeks I went in, there was a heartbeat, but of course I was still kind of worried because around this time, last time, um, we had the miscarriage and it was no heartbeat. So I really wasn't, um, I didn't tell anybody. I was kind of secretive about this pregnancy. I was, um, very on edge because of what happened the last time. So around about 10 weeks, I was seeing a high risk, um, doctor for, for my pregnancy. And then at 10 weeks, he discharged me because he was like, you know, your pregnancy is going well, everything's good. Um, so he discharged me. And so that's pretty much it. But basically, um, I went through my whole pregnancy um, by myself um, because my husband was deployed. So he left when I was six weeks pregnant. So he um, he was in Afghanistan for nine months. So I, I actually hired a doula because I didn't want to, um, just in case he wasn't able to come back, I didn't want to go through um, my pregnancy with just no one. And I'm glad I did because the coronavirus happened and none of my family could fly out. So my doula was there with me. He also missed the birth by three weeks. Um, so yeah, that's pretty much it of my, my birth story is kind of crazy and kind of all over the place, but we were trying for about a year before we had the first miscarriage. And then after the first miscarriage, we got pregnant and probably about two months later. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I have so many questions, Brittany. I <laughs> I love your story um, for so many reasons. Like, I feel like it's a story that we don't often get to hear, mm -hmm. at least from the aspect of um, military spouses yeah. and just getting an insight into your world and what it's like to, you know, be a partner in a marriage where literally someone could leave at any point to go to another country. Um, and so being mindful of that, I feel like a lot of women um, and partners um, go through a ton of emotions um, with regard to becoming a mom and figuring out how to parent. So I have a few questions for you. So one, I just want to say that um, I appreciate you sharing your lost story with us. Um, I know for some moms, it's easy um, and for others, it's not. And so um, I do thank you for just letting us in on your your first experience into motherhood with baby Amina Noel. Her name is so beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Um, I want to ask, what sorts of thoughts and emotions do you think that you had surrounding your loss? And so when you shared with us initially, um, I, I just immediately thought like, wow, like what were some of the thoughts and the emotions you were experiencing? Even when the doctor told you like baby girl didn't have a heartbeat anymore or, um, you know, even as you and your spouse were together, you know, how you reconciled with the idea that, you know, your pregnancy had come to an, an end so quickly. Um, <laughs> Of course, like I said, I was shocked. I went to another, so I went on, on post at first to see the doctor and I went to their emergency room. Then I went off post, um, off the installation, the base to see another doctor because I couldn't believe it. Um, you know, we had tried for so long to get pregnant and it finally happened. And so I, and I really felt like it was a blessing because his brother had just passed away maybe like three weeks before we found out we were pregnant. So I felt like, you know, he was giving us this baby and then she was gone. So it was kind of hard for me to wrap my head around it. Um, and then I kind of just wanted to be wanted it to be over. The doctor gave me a gave me an option to either do a DNC or to um, just kind of let my body naturally miscarry. And I'm um, sorry, it's kind of emotional for me, but I just kind of wanted to get it over with. So I decided to do the pill. Um, just because I was so, I was, I felt guilty and I felt angry because I was like, maybe if I could have did this or I could have did this, then, you know, things would have been different. And so many people are secretive about it. And so my family, they were kind of like, Hmm, they didn't know what to say because 
either it never happened or nobody never talked about it. It's such a taboo in the black community that nobody talks about it. So it was kind of hard for me. And of course, being by myself here, you know, I mean, my husband was here, but he just lost his brother. So it was, it was really hard for us during that time. Yeah. And I hear you getting emotional now. And I know that, um, you know, a lot of times people say, oh, it gets easier with time. And, you know, while in a perfect world, that makes sense. But, you know, it, it, that's still your baby girl, you know, and exactly. it's, it's extremely difficult to to come to the, the understanding that this is something that has happened and it's very final mm-hmm. um, and oftentimes very confusing. So, um, again, my heart goes out to you and to your husband, Jet. Um, if you didn't say his name already, I know Brittany personally, so to your <laughs> husband as well um, and to your family. And you bring up something so interesting, Brittany. You mentioned that, like, um, not only is it taboo, um, but we don't talk about it um, mm-hmm. within the Black community as often um, as maybe in other communities. But it's so interesting because I, I actually found out about some losses that um, have happened within my immediate family after the fact, um, like years after the fact. And I'm just like, right. you know, how come, you know, how come we don't talk about it? Mm-hmm. Um, and you speak of that, that guilt and that shame and, you know, when we are silent and we don't create opportunities where we can just be honest and transparent about our experiences, we do end up feeling shame and guilt. You know what I mean? Right. Like we don't know how to manage these thoughts because we feel like we're the only one. And oh my goodness, what are people going to think? Like everyone is, you know, trying right. to stay away from the topic, but no, like I need your arms. I need your shoulders to cry on. Um, but you, it, it, I totally understand exactly what you're talking about when you say that um, that we don't talk about it enough. We right. definitely don't talk about it enough. Do you feel like you were able to get the support of, um, I know your partner was supportive. <laughs> I know he was. Yes. But do you feel like there were other persons who you connected with with regard to loss? Um, I was very open about my story. And so I connected with a lot of um, people on social media that were going through the same thing as me that, you know, I kind of mutually knew them or we went to Winthrop together or I ended up being, you know, great friends with some of them. And they they actually helped me through my pregnancy. Um, so I had a really good support system um, on social media. Um, and then also I went to go see a therapist. So um, I seen a and I've been seeing her since since the loss. So since June, I've been seeing her and I continue to see her and we've um, formed a great bond, (laughs) a great bond. So, and then also my work family, my family was supportive um, and his family was very supportive as well, but they just didn't understand why I was being so open about it on social media. Mm -hmm. They were like, you know, you're telling all your business (laughs) what's going on. So, um, but I wanted to be a voice. I wanted to, to let everyone know that you're not the only one going through this. And that other people, you know, in the in the black community are going through it as well. Um, and so it, it actually was healing for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I appreciate the fact that you said I wanted to be a voice. Um, and your voice is so needed, Brittany. Like, I was so thankful that you wanted to even come on here and share your story because um, you have a story to tell. Um, yeah. And and not not just with um, your loss, but I mean, like I said, even from the perspective of being a military spouse and Mm -hmm. um, your boss and the way that you move within your career. So just being able to navigate motherhood and everything that comes with you being a working mom as well. So um, thank you for being your voice, for having your voice out there. Um, So you mentioned that naming baby girl Amina was a part of your healing process. Mm -hmm. How did you and your husband come to, um, and maybe it was your therapist, I'm I'm not sure, but walk us through what it was like for you to figure out how to heal um, with regard to your loss and how you incorporated um, naming her as a part of your loss. Um, So we had already picked out, of course, you know, when you're you know, thinking about having a baby, you have your list of boy and girls names. So we had already picked out some names. Um, So I was listening to this podcast. Um, I think it was called Sisters in Loss. I can't remember the podcast, but I was listening to this podcast and 
basically one of the women that were on there said that, you know, she named her her baby and her baby is still, you know, is a is a person because even though I the the most um the phrase that I got the most was, oh, well, at least she wasn't so far along. At least she wasn't like months, you know, five months. You were only a couple of months, you know, you're fine. But it's still a baby, whether it's six weeks or 10 months, you you still have lost. You still lost that baby. As soon as you find out that you have a baby growing inside of you, you develop that bond. And so um, we just decided to name her. We, you know, they when they told us it was a girl, we got the, the gender um the genetic testing and they told us it was a girl. Um, we just decided to pick one of the names that we had on our list. And, you know, we love that name so much. So we just decided to name her and that, and that was a part of healing as well. Um, so I got it from actually from a podcast similar to yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love that podcast too. Sisters in Laws. Yes. Um, that, that likely was the one because they have such, um, amazing listeners who come on and share mm-hmm. their lost experiences. And I can appreciate, again, the fact that you mentioned um, that your experience of having people say, well, at least you weren't far along and, you know, you'll be fine. All of those things are, man, they're meant to be so comforting, but it can be so like dismissive of your mm-hmm. experience exactly. and invalidating, you know? Um, and you're right. Your baby is very much so a part of who you are and who your husband is and very much so a part of the trajectory that your life is now on because of your experience with baby Amina. Um, and so I find it so beautiful that you and your spouse named her and are continuing to integrate her in your life. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I appreciate you sharing that. Um, I know that there are other listeners who will probably now pick that up from from you sharing and say, hey, so. maybe that can be, yeah, maybe that can be a part of their healing journey as well. Right. Um, now, you mentioned um, with baby Mia when you got pregnant that you had feelings of being on edge, obviously because of your experience with your loss. Um yes. So how did you manage those feelings of being on edge? And could you describe exactly um, or somewhat what being on edge meant to you? Um, Like I just didn't tell, like I didn't even tell my my mom or my sister about my pregnancy. It's actually my mom had a dream that somebody was pregnant. And, and, I, and, and it's funny because she was like, I had a dream that... Um, that, you know, somebody is pregnant. And I said, oh, because I'm pregnant. That's how I told my mom. It was no like emotional connection. (laughs) Um, And just because I was scared, because, you know, the first time I told everyone, you know, I was, I ordered stuff for the baby already. You know, I was thinking about how I was going to do his or her room, her room. And, and so this time I, I waited to the last minute to do a lot of things. Um, I was, I changed my diet because I thought maybe if I ate better, then, you know, she will survive. Um, I was super sick until I was like, hmm, until I was like 20 weeks pregnant. And I enjoyed being sick because I knew that she was there. Mm. Um, Because I knew that if I was super sick, then she was still alive. It's kind of (laughs) crazy how your mind thinks about certain stuff, like stuff like that. Um, I had a what is it called? Like a heartbeat monitor. I would listen to her literally every other day, probably. Um, And if I didn't hear her, I would go straight to the emergency room. So I was, yeah, I had very, I had so much anxiety. I had to tell myself, she's still alive. She's still here. I can hear her. I can feel her kicking. I can feel her, you know, I can, I'm sick, you know, I'm, I'm, um, I'm vomiting. So she's still, she's still okay. Um, So I just had to reassure myself a lot during my pregnancy. Yeah, you know, and I heard you when you mentioned like it's crazy how you're, you know, how how you try and like give yourself these clues or these helpful reassurances that everything is okay. And I'm sure in one hand, again, it was reassuring, but in the other hand, it, it was you know, maybe even challenging the fact that you have to lean on like sickness or pain to give you a right and I was so miserable but I was so happy that I was sick yeah, <laughs> if that yeah. makes sense it does it makes perfect sense it definitely does um and it brings up so many um 
so many thoughts that go through my head just about the struggles that women go through after experiencing. And you let me know if this isn't a term that you have ever used or that you have ever uh, had a part of your story, but trauma, the amount of trauma Mm -hmm. that um, mamas experience after they go through a loss and what it's like to get pregnant after and the fear that exists within that pregnancy Mm-hmm. You know, I would imagine that that is extremely difficult. Right. And it continues afterwards because I'm like a helicopter mom. <laughs> I'm all over Mia because I'm I'm so worried that something's going to happen to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and my husband, he, I mean, he jokes about it, but he says, calm down. Like, you know, she's going to mm-hmm. get hurt. She's going to fall. But I'm just like, oh my God, something's going to happen to her because of the, because of my loss. So I'm always thinking like, I'm so overprotective of her. Um, because I'm so scared to lose her because, you know, we lost one child and I couldn't even bear to even think about losing, you know, her. So, um, I'm very much overprotective over her in that. And that's the reason why. Yeah. Though, man, Brittany, like the fact that you even said that just now, it even brought up like my own experiences within motherhood with my son, um, and that's, that's why these stories are so important, because even if mm-hmm. it's not the exact same situation that a mama has been through, they can identify with parts of your story. Um, and it, it gives opportunity to reflect. And so you were talking just now and it made me think about Miles. And I know before I've always mentioned on the podcast that like we had some medical complications in the beginning and blah, blah, blah. But um, he was actually diagnosed with a thyroid condition. And so Miles takes a daily pill every single day. He's been doing that since he's been born and could potentially take it for the rest of his life. However, um, we're going to do some trials off to see how he does with it. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's so interesting that you mentioned that you have this anxiety or this fear that's still present because I very much so do as well, you know, like, you you know what I mean? Like you, you experience like this, this thing, which in your case was your loss. And, you know, in my case, it was being told that your child may have this diagnosis and have to take this medication for the rest of their life. And, you know, you then have this state of fear that you sort of exist in until, um, the next moment where you don't have that fear anymore. And then it comes back again. You know what I mean? And so I can so identify exactly with what you're saying. Um, yeah, I appreciate you sharing that because it even gives me a moment to reflect even on my own experiences. Um, and so with that fear and that anxiety that you have, I know you mentioned that you go to therapy. Um, and so that's been helpful for you. Um, but then you also mentioned that your husband is like, Brittany, it's okay. She's going to fall. Like she's going to get it. You know, like he tries as well to mm-hmm. um, help with the dynamic of that. How do you think that y'all's communication um, works to your benefit? And then maybe what are some challenges that you see with regard to um you just navigating your experiences and his separate experiences within parenthood with regard to Mia. Um, he's very understanding. He knows he, of course he jokes about it, but he knows the trauma that, you know, I associated, associated with her. Um, and I didn't say this, but I was induced three weeks early because I had really high blood pressure. Um, and she was in the NICU for three days. So, um, I didn't have a C-section, but I was in labor for, for three days from Friday. I had, I it was induced on Friday and, um, she came on Sunday and then she was in the NICU for three days. And then we were in the hospital for extra because I still had high blood pressure. So that was also some trauma <laughs> as well. Um, so he just kind of, he understands and he just kind of says, I'm, he he jokes with me and he always says, you know, your mama's going to always be a helicopter mom. So, you know, I'm going to save you so at times <laughs> or, you know, he'll just say, OK, well, I know Brittany needs to do this. So just let her do this mm-hmm. and then, you know, she'll be OK and I'm not going to say anything. So he just kind of lets it go. Um, Sometimes he might just say, Brittany, calm down. Um, it's going to be OK. Or he'll take Mia and, you know, take her out of my sight and, you know, teach her how to do whatever she was doing or whatever. Um, and now since he's trying to start walking. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, <laughs> I'm so terrified. So he might yeah. say, Brittany, go take a break. And then they, you know, they horseplay or 
because he's very rough with her because I mean he's a guy so <laughs> and she loves it but I don't love it right <laughs> um so he'll just take her and he'll say Brittany go take a shower or and give me a little break to kind of get it together <laughs> while they yeah. have fun yeah no I love the fact that it sounds like he is showing up for you in those ways um because everyone doesn't have that. And so mm. the fact that he does understand that, you know, we all grieve differently, right? But we also all process situations differently. And so um, I think it's beautiful, the fact that you all can kind of give each other signals, whether it's mm-hmm. direct or indirectly. And he's like, nah, I got this, you know, like, go, go do some self-care, go hop in the shower for a little bit. And I got her. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yes, it, it took a while. And I think it was because of me, because I was so mm-hmm. protective. Yep. Um, but now that she's older and so I'm a little bit more easy now with him taking over. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I feel like you and I have had a conversation before about um, just maybe letting our support persons, our spouses show up for our children mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, kind of just like not being that helicopter parent. So no, right. I know exactly what you mean. Like I, I struggle with being in the shower. <laughs> I think I've told you this before and yelling <laughs> from the shower, like what's going on? Is was that? Right. It's normally like a truck being thrown across the room, but I think it's his body. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. I, I get exactly what you're saying. Um, now, you also mentioned that your husband got papers to be deployed and mm-hmm. um, you hired a doula. And so I know how important doulas are and the value that exists when they are present throughout your pregnancy and in delivery and postpartum. Share with us, you know, how you were empowered to, you know, not birth alone or not to go through your pregnancy alone, although you, um, you know, had your spouse um, getting deployed, like what gave you that um, motivation to to get support? Because I know you're out in Texas and don't have like a ton of family there or friends. Right. Um, so it was actually my husband's idea. So he didn't want me to be alone. Um, so I hired her at like 10 weeks, super early. Um, and she is amazing. Um, she did more for me than I've probably think she should have, but we end up, you know, having this bond. Um, She was also a military uh, spouse. Well, you know, her partner was, um, was also in the military. So she understood. Um, And basically when I felt like, you know, um, unsure about, you know, is she still kicking? Is she still alive in there? I would just call her and say, Hey, um, can you, you know, check on Mia today and she'll be like, okay, come over. So, I mean, in between my doctor's appointments, she gave me checkups. Um, those massage belly rubs were amazing. <laughs> um, she, we did birthing classes together, um, lactation classes. Um, and then she was with me during my whole, my whole pregnancy pretty much. Um, and then when I called her, when they were inducing me, um, she came straight to the hospital she uh, took my placenta and I did the placenta um, pills as well with her. And then she came afterwards. Um, so we end up being really good friends. Um, and I love her. Her name is Tiffany. Um, and I love her. She actually moved, but I told her I was going to fly out for my next baby because I do want to have a home birth. But it was absolutely amazing experience to have a doula. Um, and just to kind of because I was so tired um, after, you know, day two. Um that I really was like, you know, I don't care what you guys do, just get this baby out of me. <laughs> um, so that so she was there to kind of um, make sure that they were doing the proper things. Um, so I mean, it was it was a blessing to have her um, have her there with me. Definitely a blessing. Yeah, like having an advocate <laughs> when yes. you don't have your voice <laughs> because you're experiencing pain or just like confusion mm-hmm. from everything that's going on. Um, definitely, as I've spoken to other moms, have definitely sounded like a benefit. Um, right. It sounds like you, in some ways, Brittany, have like formed an amazing support system out of essentially no support system in Texas. Yes. And so do you think that that um, helped you to navigate motherhood? Or do you think that without it, you would have still been able to sustain 
um, and because correct me if I'm wrong, Jet was deployed when you had baby Mia. So mm-hmm. would you have still been able to sustain um, just your emotional and mental well-being um, without having made those connections in Texas? I don't think so, because I had, you know, of course, like I was here by myself. Like I said, I had a friend that came that I had to call and say, hey, can you go get Zeke and drop him off at the sitters? Um, so. I mean, you know, it was definitely, and then my work family was amazing. I had, you know, one of my work, work friends, she went to all of my doctor's appointments with me. Um, like I said, when I had the miscarriage, they let me take off for two weeks. I mean, it was just, it, it was just amazing to have that support. My family is super supportive, but of course they were not here. Um, they couldn't be here physically. So it was great to have that support system. Um, outside of my family and they end up being my family um, and I will always be appreciative of them and you know cherish them um, because it was tough being you know by myself here my whole pregnancy and then of course you know having baby Mia and then even three weeks after after um, I know the video of me of you know Jet seeing him through seeing yeah. meeting Mia through the through the screen door because he had to go on quarantine as soon as he came back from deployment so that was hard um, so I, I really do appreciate my, my support system here. And then also my family for just calling, you know, sending me DoorDash. Um, Mia is so blessed to have such great grandparents, um, that sent her a lot of stuff. I had packages every day <laughs> from them. So I'm just so, so grateful to have such a great support system. I, I'm so glad that you brought up, uh, Jet meeting Mia for the first time through that screen door because that video, I'm look, me and my husband were laying in bed watching that video, like, oh my god, like that was so sweet and adorable. Um, so yeah, walk us through that. What was it like, um, to have the experience of you know, essentially (laughs) bringing life to your partner, even though she's been within your life for a certain amount of time already? What was that like for you? Um, It was hard because when he left, it was just us two. And then when he came back, it was like, oh, here's your baby. <laughs> and everybody expected him for to him to for him to just kind of, you know, get back into the real world and oh, be super dad. But it was hard because he has to come back and be a civilian first and kind of get back into the civilian world world. And then he now he's a dad. So. So it was a it was a big adjustment. And then also I was so used to being by myself and doing things by myself that I was like, oh, no, I got it. Oh, no, I got it. So eventually he stopped trying to help because, you know, me, (laughs) I'm like, I got everything. So um, it took a while. It took about six months, honestly, for him to for us to get back into the groove of being a a family as a whole Um, and for him to to, you know, get back in the groove of just being back in the States. Because it is a different world, you know, overseas. And I, I mean, I couldn't even, he would have to tell you how it is, but I couldn't even, you know, explain how um, how he felt, you know, coming back to being a dad. That's just a whole nother, you know. And he didn't really have a connection. We would try to do like the heartbeat monitor over the phone, doing FaceTime, or he would send songs to her or send videos to her, you know, and I would play it for her. But it's it's not the same as being physically here, feeling, you know, her move and, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. You know, when we talk about grief so often, we think of it as just being, you know, the loss of a person or a baby or or, or something like that. But mm-hmm. it's also like the loss of experiences. Right. Um, and so, you know, with Jet not having been there for, um, you know, your pregnancy and birth of baby girl and a short period after, what are the ways that you think that y'all have figured out how to celebrate you know, even the smallest of moments within y'all's family. Um, we celebrate everything, I believe. <laughs> um, like her first birthday is coming up. And so we're going to Florida because she hasn't even met like his side of his grandparents. So we're going to Florida to see, you know, his his grandparents. And we're going to have like a little small party with just immediate family because, of course, COVID is still 
going on. <laughs> um, so just like the small things, um, going on walks, we appreciate like as a family, um, watching TV, we, cause just last year we was, we wasn't doing that together, you know? Um, so just, we appreciate every little small thing of, you know, every little time we get to spend together, we appreciate it so much because, like I said, last year, while everybody was going to through quarantine with their partners, I was with Zeke. <laughs> so we appreciate it. Yeah. Anytime yeah. we get to spend together. Yeah. Now, I can imagine that that time is, I mean, really, what do they say? Like, you don't know that you missed something until it's not, not there anymore. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. Just how, yeah, how much um, y'all mean to each other, man. Um, and so who are you now, Brittany? Like. Who are you now that you're a mom, that you're a wife, that you're doing all of this? Like, apart from those things, who are you? Um, That's a good question, because I feel like I have consumed my life so much with being a mom and a wife. Um, but I have grown so much in the last couple of years like I was telling my husband the other day like we grew up here in Texas because we were forced to we had no family we moved here right when we got married so I feel like you know if I if we got into an argument I couldn't just pack up my stuff and and go because because it's literally across you know across the world I feel like so um I have grown so much as a person as a career woman um and I'm just so thankful for the for the growth and the experiences um, I, I'm so much peaceful now and so much, <laughs> and so much calmer because I realized that I have to protect my peace for, from my, for my family. Um, I don't want Mia to go through the, the same things that I went through. Um, so yeah, I think I, I, I think I'm a better person for the good. I'm, who am I as, as Brittany? Um, that's kind of hard to, <laughs> to explain. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I have to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like in some ways you definitely, you know, answered that question. Like the fact that you um, were kind of forced to to grow up and not just, you know, within your marriage and being a mom and the experiences that you had with baby Amina and Mia, but um, just as a person, like you said, like figuring out how to... Um, be the person you want to do, to be in order for you to protect not only your peace, but the peace within your family. Like mm-hmm. that's a lot, you know what I mean? Like right. that's a, that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot. What do you feel like um, you and your spouse and Mia have done for each other? You know, we talk a lot about, you know, whether or not you have this sense of self within motherhood. You kind of shared with us about the growth that you have done. But what do you think that you all pour into each other? Well, Mia is such a happy baby. So she makes us laugh all the time. (laughs) Um, Even when we're in a bad mood, she'll just bust out laughing. So (laughs) so she's such a happy baby. And we're so blessed to have such an easygoing baby. Um, So I just think she brings happiness to us I feel like my husband loves me more I don't know but (laughs) but like he is just so like he's so different (laughs) he's a different person um so I just feel like him seeing me as a mother makes him appreciate me more um so he definitely like I said I like the other day I said I said are you falling in love with me again (laughs) Um, so I just think, I think our bond is stronger. Um, and not just, like I said, not just because of Mia, just because we've been thugging it out by ourselves for, for almost three years, you know? Um, so I think we just bring each other happiness and joy. Um, it's not, you know, it's not all glitter and glitz, but, um, for the most part, I think we, you know, we bring each other happiness. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. Now, when it isn't glitter and glitz, what do you think is most helpful for y'all to navigate, you know, the differences of opinions or values or expectations um, when those things arise? What do you think is most helpful in y'all kind of sorting through that stuff? Um, Well, my husband is very, he likes to communicate. He likes to talk things out and I'm the opposite 
Um, I, I shut down immediately. Um, so we are learning to compromise and to communicate better. Even if we disagree, uh, we can agree to disagree. Uh, we can compromise or Brittany can have it her way or Jack can have it his way. Um, but at least we have that open conversation about it. And he understands that I do like to shut down. So he does give me some time to kind of, I don't want to talk about it right now. And then when I'm ready to talk about it, I'll say, okay, I'm ready to talk about it now. And we'll, we'll talk about it. So, um, and again, with us being so far away, I think that has helped us. Our communication has been um, better, I guess, because of his deployment, because that's the only way you get to connect with people is mm-hmm. through FaceTime and, and, um, and, you know, talking on the phone and texting. So I think that has made our communication um, stronger in a sense. Yeah, I, when I listen to you, it makes me think of, you know, your experiences having been, you know, quite the journey and what some might describe as tough or challenging. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, there were so many um, silver linings throughout, you know, like the fact right. that y'all were separated due to deployment, um, but you figured out how to, you know, grow your communication, you know what I mean? And so being able to pick up on those things and use them to your benefit, I feel like is such an amazing part of um, how you do family together. Um, And it means so much. Um, What do you think, um, and this is us wrapping up here shortly, what do you think you wish you might've known or someone would have told you before um, becoming a mama? Um, That you would never stop worrying. (laughs) You would never get any sleep. Um, yeah, I mean, and just the joys of you, you, I hear people say, you know, you never know love until you have your own kids, but that is so true. Like I never knew unconditional love, like just her waking up and like smiling at me in the morning. Um, it's just like, you know, so, so, I mean, it's an incredible feeling. It's, it's indescribable. Um, it's that unconditional love, that love that you know that you will always have. Um, it's amazing. It's an amazing feeling. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want Mia to know as she continues to grow? Like, what do you hope that she is learning by um, how you mother her? Honestly, I'm I'm just doing the best that I can. I just, I'm trying to break those generational curses. Um, Mm. Just basically trying to show her a different, a different light. I'm not saying that, you know, I grew up in a, in a, you know, a bad home because I mean, my parents were amazing. They still are very supportive and amazing. Um, But, you know, times have changed. So I just want her to be safe and just know that she's loved no matter what um, unconditional um, that she can always come to us for anything that she, you know, good or bad, we, we're going to always support her. So, yeah, I, I think I, I, I think I uh, birthed a star, so she's going to be great. <laughs> no, I love, I laugh when, when people are like, my kid is the best. I'm like, mine too. It's like, a right. we're all walking around with these best kids and these stars. Mm-hmm. Um, so funny. Um, but you, you said something a moment ago and it made me smile. You said, you know, I, something to the effect of like your parents were amazing and, but you're still trying to break generational curses. And I feel like it's so important for us to remember that um, our parents, they did do a good job, but they did the best job with what they knew and what they had. Um, and that doesn't mean that <laughs> we can't go a step further and want something different or even better for our children. Um, And that doesn't take away from our experiences or what our parents gave to us, but that we're always striving to, you know, create better opportunities for our children and pour into them um, even better in the ways that we were poured into. So I appreciate you sharing that. I also can identify with that. I'm on this whole trying to do positive parenting with Miles. And so it is very different from... (laughs) 
from even down to discipline, it is extremely different from um, what I was raised with. Um, And so just trying to change the language and change the the understanding of how things can go, I feel like we'll, you know, create, create new ways of, of parenting and mothering. And it's so validating also in you being able to kind of craft this little person mm-hmm. um, and pour into them with the love and kindness that, that you see that they are so deserving of. So I appreciate right. you sharing that. Yeah. Well, Brittany, is there anything that you'd like to share with another mama who might be listening before I give you all the love and kindness? Um, the only thing that I that I had to learn is not to beat yourself up over every little thing. Um, things are gonna happen and it's not gonna be all glitter and glitz and it's not gonna be some days you're gonna have times where you're going to want to break and you and don't feel guilty about it. I used to feel guilty for saying, oh, Mia, I wish you would go to sleep. Like, just give mommy a break. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be a good mom and a good wife and a, and a good person um, for yourself, you have to practice that self-care and you have to be, you know, you have to, be, you have to show it for yourself before you can show it for others. Mm-hmm. So that's one that thing means- that I learned is that I have to sometimes be selfish and put myself first so I can provide a better me for my daughter and for my husband and for my family. That was a message, Brittany. Um, And I almost cut you off to say that um, because that, that does show up within motherhood, even with myself and knowing about mom guilt and all of that, um, it still shows up because we do want the best for them. And so we think that we, we can't also have these times where we need a break. Um, but it is very real to love being a mom and to love your child. But sometimes be frustrated that you have to do the things that come with being a mom. <laughs> right. So it's a very real thing. So thank you so much for sharing that nugget um, for all of us, including myself. Um, so, yeah, I just want to thank you for coming on. And um, I appreciate you just being completely vulnerable and sharing all of your experiences from your journey to motherhood with baby girl Amina um, to your birth story and where you are now with your family. Um, I know that I definitely, (laughs) through your sharing, was able to reflect on my own experiences. And I know when I listen back, there'll be other gems that I'll be picking up as well. Um, And I know there will be mamas out there also who can identify with exactly what you were saying. So I'm so appreciative and honored to have had this hour with you. And yeah, if you and Jet want to come on as a couple, just let me know so he can share his experiences. Oh, Lord. He would love that. (laughs) He would love it? Okay, yeah. We have another couple coming on soon. So yeah, I'm so excited to get the guys starting to talk. So that's that's good. Um, But yeah, Brittany, again, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for this amazing podcast. I know when I was going through my loss and um, the podcast is what helped me get through a lot of um, bad days. So thank you so much for starting this podcast. Oh, I appreciate you sharing that, Brittany. You take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. As always, it's important for me to note that this podcast does not replace being connected or receiving therapeutic services from a licensed mental health clinician. If you are experiencing a life-threatening emergency, please call 911 or go to your local emergency room. You can also find additional resources on episode two, one being postpartum.net, where you can get connected with support groups, as well as therapist, psychiatrist, other providers within your community that may be of service to you on your motherhood journey. Again, that resource is postpartum.net, but you can find additional ones on episode two. Thank you.